0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, I am your host. I am Michael Diorio. I am a life and wellness coach specializing in sexuality, relationships, and self-confidence. Today, we have a very special episode for you guys. Uh, We're having a panel discussion about age discrimination, also known as ageism, Uh, And unfortunately, this is very common in our community. And so we want to talk about it because that's what we do here. So we'll be discussing things like how older men are judged by younger generations in the gay community, why ageism is so rampant in the gay community, especially. And then our lovely panel members who you will meet in just a moment will offer some of their wisdom about aging to us younger folks. And then we'll talk also about how the gay community has changed over the years. So to help facilitate this discussion, I've asked Stephen Band to co-host with me today. Stephen is a moderator in the Gay Men's Brotherhood and a licensed professional counselor, mental health therapist. So we'll all have a chance to introduce ourselves. Um, We'll go around and I'll, when I call on you, just tell us a little bit about who you are and introduce yourself to the audience, okay? So let's start off with John Carl.
1: Hi, I'm uh, John Carl Lewis. Uh, I go by John Carl, he, him. Uh, I am a spiritual director, uh, and I am dabbling in a project called Sex in the Queer Christian, um, where I'm trying to uh, explore the intersections between sexuality and spirituality in the Christian tradition.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, John Kroll. And uh, Miguel, tell us about you. Um, my name is uh, Miguel Diaz. Um,
2: I'm b- basically freelancing this time in uh, IT. And um, I live in um, Eastern New York, close to uh, the Vermont border. And um, I really have uh, a deep interest at this time in my life um, uh, that deals with um, men's work, just in general men's work. It has um, taken a hold of interest for me, so that's kind of where I'm at at this point in my life.
0: Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Miguel. And Stephen, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience.
3: I'm Stephen Band and I live in Atlanta, Georgia, originally from New York. And as Michael said, I'm a mental health therapist. I work with both gay and straight people doing both individual and couples therapy. And I also have a full-time job working with um, United Healthcare Insurance Company as a behavioral health advocate for members dealing with behavioral health issues. So that is um, a big focus of my life.
0: Awesome. Thank you. No one told me their age. (laughs) I wonder if that will come out (laughs) throughout the course of the episode. That's okay. Uh, You don't have to share, but uh, I'm sure our our listeners are curious. Um, Okay. So, Let's start off with just talking about sharing a time when you have felt judged by younger gay men for being old. Uh, any kind of anecdotes or stories where that has been, you know, the case for you. Anyone want to start us off today?
1: Well, I'll jump in. Um, it, I I don't have instances where people have come up to me to my face and said, you're old, and I don't want to deal with you. Um, so it's not really a personal thing, but it really does cut me to the heart when I see people say things like "Okay, Boomer" and stuff like that. Because you know, I'm 58. I'm the actually the oldest of the Gen X cohort, and, um, and what I find ironic is that the same people, uh, the people who are being dismissed as too old to have an opinion on anything were the same people um, acting the same way at younger ages. Uh, but, you know, the the cohort above me were the people who um, laid down in the streets to protest, you know, lack of attention to AIDS. They were splashing blood on buildings. Uh, you know, this they were a radical generation, and I think you know, the only way someone can go away with saying, OK, boomer is to ignore the history of radicalism in older generations. That was and, my rant.
0: <laughs> yeah. And John Carl has a I'll, I'll link all this in the show notes, but John Carl has a, a big presence online on Twitter, Instagram and even YouTube. So you are in a space, John Carl, where there are it's dominated, I would say, by a younger crowd.
1: Oh, everybody I deal with is, uh, you know, sort of in their 20s and 30s, just about. Um, which is interesting because over the past couple of years, they've shaped my personality. So I am 58, I'm fully 58, but, uh, it really is. You're only as young as the people you hang out with. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Steven, uh, have you ever felt judged by younger gay men?
3: I have. Um, so the first,
0: when I was
3: single and exploring dating using different dating apps and stuff, I would feel cuz I here so here's one thing I don't look my age and I am 62 and most people assume I'm in my early to mid 50s and I I guess I when I encounter people that to me look older than me and they're technically younger than me that's what sort of gives me a frame of reference so I noticed that if I put my real age, people prejudge me based on a number. Hmm. And if I put the age that most people told me they think I am, I got a very different response from people. And it's interesting because people always say it's just a number, it doesn't mean anything, but I think people do consciously or unconsciously let it get in the way and so when i put the age that i felt i looked like i got a very different reaction from people than if i put my real age
0: did they ever find out your real age did you ever disclose eventually yeah i would
3: i would tell people if i met them yeah and um and usually people would say it it doesn't matter um, and the truth is, for me, I am attracted to people younger than me for dating or relationship. Most of my friends are close to my age range, but people that I was interested in dating usually
0: a lot younger. Hmm. This will be, uh, yeah, we've got some really good topics lined up, so I'm curious to hear when we get to the topic about uh, younger generations and and whatnot. Uh, but first, Miguel, how about you? Tell us about a time where you have felt judged um, for being old. I'm using air quotes for the word old there.
2: Um, well, I am 56. And so when there's uh, a conversation about, let's say, uh, meeting people, um, I don't use the apps. And I feel very self-conscious about that because I feel many people do. And so when there's the talk about age i mention my my age and um people don't believe me just because of my stature and maybe the way i present myself or whatever the case might be but um i think that there has been just kind of a i don't know maybe some sort of discomfort in other younger men when um, I don't do what everyone else does, a la using the apps. So maybe there's just not as much to talk about anymore because that's how a lot of people meet these days. But um, yeah, sometimes it's just been awkward in in those situations because if there isn't some sort of um, way to bond via, you know, a subject like using the apps, then it um, becomes a little, Um, just disconcerting and how do I interact now with uh, people with whom I don't have that particular thing in common. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that they judge me per se, but I just now know that um, there isn't necessarily a a sense of uh, camaraderie on some level because um, there isn't a way to bond through a particular means of meeting other people
0: for mm. example so yeah mm. and uh Stephen or John Carl, do you guys have anything you want to add to that
1: well I, I mean I I have to I have to add that um well I heard your question i I think upon reflection um the the younger gay man who judges me most harshly is my internal younger gay man, mm-hmm. um, telling me you're too old for this, he's so young and cute, he couldn't possibly find you attractive. Um, it's that for me, it's that internal, uh, young guy who I've had the most trouble with,
0: yeah. I just turned 40 this year so it's nice that i'm in a room and i'm the youngest one by quite a quite a bit so uh, but i i can say i felt the same um in approaching my my 40s round call like i was I, the harshest critic was like or the harshest comparison was the comparison to my younger self not other younger guys necessarily but I was like oh i used to look like this or i could have done mm-hmm. that or i had much more energy and that's that's where i got to fell into the compare and despair was with myself all right guys, let's talk about a time uh, where you have felt uncomfortable uh, saying your age around younger gay people, whether they're gay or straight. Uh, so Miguel, let's start with you for this one. <laughs> okay. Um, I think
2: j- just being um, who I am, just again, the the stature and how I present myself doesn't necessarily convey my age. And so it's very frustrating when I reveal my age and people just don't believe me because when you don't um, look as old as you appear to be, then I think there's certain judgments that people have about you. You know, you don't have, for example, um, a a certain amount of experience in life or you don't really know as much as other people because they perceive you to be um, younger or just not as well versed in things. Um, So... Yeah, just being you know around uh people in general gay or straight that are are younger presents a, a certain amount of challenge for me not always but um i just feel like uh again i <laughs> i have to prove myself you know i'll have to flash my id or something just to prove that i am my age and uh, sometimes um I did, excuse me, sometimes I do wish I look more of my age, because I think I've been wrestling with the fact that I am, you know, I am 56 years old, and I feel sort of trapped in this um, boy's body. And I haven't really known how to really deal with that over the course of time. Um, It's been a little frustrating. Um, But also, I guess, good on some level, I I don't know. Um, That's kind of, you know, where I find myself
0: sometimes do you find like uh when people ask you oh, how old are you like what's the first thought that comes through your mind when someone asks you that question i want to roll my eyes and i just think <laughs> do i have to do this again
2: you know and mm-hmm. just sort of prove to people that i am who i am on on some level yeah it's and and um it's a little frustrating but i, I i'm i guess i've just acclimated to that
0: it's it sounds
3: like you're dealing more with youth discrimination than age discrimination yeah it's sort of weird um it um
2: but yeah uh I am who I am you know I I, I have the gray hair to prove it I have mean, grown out facial hair and I have you know gray hair and my facial hair and people don't necessarily believe that I am my age and uh you know there's nothing I can do about that. I'm just trying to be myself and uh, (laughs) so just where
0: where it's at. Steven, how about you?
3: It's interesting because in my private practice, it seems like most of the clients that I'm working with are in their 20s and 30s. And so all of a sudden I feel like, Am I this wise sage now that when I was in my twenties and thirties, I would look up to people that are in their 50s or older and think, you know, they're they must have wisdom having life experience and stuff like that. I don't know that I could be doing the work that I'm doing now when I was in my twenties and thirties, because I obviously didn't have as much life experience and was finding my own way. But when I talk with people about my age, I am like, I don't know what it should feel like to be 62 because I've never been 62 before. Mm-hmm. But I think I still have the mindset that I had in my 30s and 40s. and But just more life experience to go, along with dealing with day-to-day life and I feel like I said earlier if I if I put the number out there people react differently than if they just deal with me sort of generically not knowing what my age is and there are times that I deliberately will refrain, like if somebody directly asked me how old am I, I'll sort of, depending on the situation and the circumstance, sometimes I'll sort of bypass that question Mm -hmm. and not answer it because I feel everything has a judgment, everything has a stigma. And if people say age doesn't matter, it's just, you know, who you are as a person, then why do we ask that question? And why is it important? And um, unless you're filling out like a form that has like your name and birth date and all that stuff. Even on job applications now in the United States, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the United States, it's illegal to ask your age, um, your birth date, the year you were born because of age discrimination. And so I feel that if people take good care of themselves and look younger than they are, they're less likely to be rejected from employment because a lot of employers might hesitate to hire somebody that's older and might not have the longevity that a younger person would have in the job market. Hmm.
0: Um, let me ask you this as a sort of sub-question for, for anyone who wants to answer it. If you guys were on a dating app profile, if you were going to go into that world, would you put your real age? Would you put a age that you feel like or that people say you look like, or would you just not put any age at all? Um, I would put my age. Um,
2: Why not? I have nothing to hide. Um, Yeah, because eventually you're going to... If you choose to meet somebody, you're going to have a certain conversation about that anyway. So why, you know, why deceive
0: anyone? Yeah, that's That's just me. Uh, Yeah, yeah. How about you, Stephen, or John, Carl?
3: I think I mentioned this in the beginning that I usually didn't put my age, or if I did, I would put the age that most people assume that I am. And um, if somebody asks me, I'm not going to lie to anybody. However, I don't necessarily always feel it's necessary. Yeah,
0: John Carl.
1: Well, um, I'm just thinking about how you know my past behavior. Um, I I do. Uh, I've done it both ways um, for a while. Um, and this is decades ago, um, I, I remember shaving a decade off my age um, and having no problem with, you know, people accepting me when I showed up at a door or something like that. Um, but the funny thing is um, um, I, I've been really lucky with, with dating apps. Uh, I got into a sort of longer-term thing with this guy who had advertised himself as 26. Um, and um, when I actually got to know him, surprise, surprise, both of us were 10 years older than we said on the dating app and it didn't matter. And it was just very funny. Um, so, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what, what would it look like for me to be, if I were single at 65, what I put down 65, I really don't know.
0: Yeah. I asked that because having just turned forty, I'm on I'm on Grinder, and um, I was like, I don't want like, to like thirty eight or thirty nine, no big deal. But I know that people have a filter, <laughs> and I know that as soon as I put that forty there, I'm gonna get filtered out from a lot of people's search. And so I've hesitated. I've I haven't changed it. It still says thirty nine. And I'm like, so I thought, okay, this is an interesting question because I think you're right in that. Like, if you are going to meet someone, Miguel had said, if you're going to meet someone, it's going to come out eventually. And chances are, if you guys get long enough to meet and all that, that it won't matter. We'll probably have a laugh about it, but it's still interesting how it's the first time I've been like, oh, wait, no, this is a milestone and I'm going to, you know, the filter will, will, will kind of eliminate me from profiles. And I think well, I,
1: that. I, oh, sorry. Michael.
0: Go ahead. Uh, Miguel. No i just was going to say that i think
2: that um there are certainly a certain sector of younger men that really do find older men appealing yeah not all obviously but i think there are some and for those of us that um, have experienced those those younger men being attracted to older uh men um it's fine i don't know that um I think for, for me personally, I, I tended to uh, not give them a chance in the past, but um, as I've grown and as I've thought about things in life and, and understanding that younger men, um, some younger men are you know, really into um, that journey to be the best version of themselves that they can be, I, I'm certainly more open to that now. Um, mm. I don't know that... Um, I would use uh, age as a, um, well, I don't know that I would d- date someone really young, but just because somebody's younger than me, no, I, I don't think I would um, shy that per- shy away from that uh, experience. I did in the past, but not anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, one of the things that strikes me is that... Um... It's sort of like it's 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 a data point. It's it's a sort of a fact, but it doesn't really capture reality. Um, I had a similar problem when I started to date uh, when one placed an ad in newspapers um, and I didn't know whether to let people know I was black or not before I met them, because um, if I put down I was black, they wouldn't expect uh, an Ivy League intellectual. Uh, if I, uh, if I didn't put down black, they might expect a blonde. Uh, and, and, you know, the, I, I, find it, I find it easier to just sort of meet someone in a bar or bathhouse or a park because then, you know, they're feeling your energy. I mean, what I'm drawn to is energy and these numbers just don't really correspond to anything. Um, that I'm interested in knowing about people.
3: I totally agree with what you just said, John Carl. I feel, well, to respond to what you said, Michael, about Grinder. Obviously, most people on Grinder are not looking for a relationship. They're looking for a hookup. And I know you're in a relationship, so you're not really looking for that other than maybe a friendship. But if you're just looking for a hookup, I don't think age really matters because matters most is you're attracted to the person's physical features. And and that's really all that comes into play if it's a hookup. If it's something more than like a real dating app, then obviously everything comes into play. But what you were saying, John Carl, I totally relate to because I consider myself a demisexual, so I need to have an intimate connection with somebody in order to really be interested and turned on. And even when I was younger, I didn't know what a demisexual was, but I always felt like it was important to have some intimate connection with somebody rather than just superficial And not that I didn't have superficial encounters, but it wasn't fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And um, so I definitely pick up on people's energies and vibes. And whether it's positive, negative, or somewhere in between, that all comes into play. And you can't tell that when you're chatting online and you really, that's why if we start to connect, it's really important for me to want to talk on the phone and then meet in person. Because mm. I've even found that when I connect with somebody on the phone, I get all excited and then I meet in person then it's a very different experience. So, when people hesitate to want to meet in person, I lose interest pretty quickly. But I think this is Getting into a different topic than age discrimination.
0: Well, surely it does show up uh, in in dating in the dating world, right? Uh, that's I mean, you guys tell me. Is that like online in that and like in the app world? Is that where you? It would be fair to say that that's where it shows up maybe the the most blatantly, or is it something that's kind of always there, whether it's in person, whether it's dating or not?
3: Yeah, because people are then judging a book by its cover and not what's inside. Yeah.
2: But I think it depends upon what you're looking for, right? I mean, if if you are looking for a hookup, then yeah, age is kind of, I suppose, not as relevant. But if you're searching for something more substantial, then age might come into play. Not always, but um, yeah.
3: Depends on personal preferences. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and we might talk about this later, but, you know, I, I'd be interested in hearing, um, you know, talking about how um, dating apps uh, have defined this generation. Um, and uh, this generation hasn't really been exposed to things like um, so much like cruising, tea rooms, um, you know, Bathhouses, even bars, gay bars are, yeah. you know, going away. Um so I'd be interested in hear about that a little later as a generational movement.
0: Yeah, we will be getting to that question. Um yeah. Anything else on this topic before we move on to the next set? Anyone else want to chime in? No. All right. So the next question is a great one. Um I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say on this one. So what would you want younger generations to know about being gay and aging? What lessons do you want to teach them? And how do you feel in doing so? Uh, for this one, let's start off with John Crow.
1: Um, yeah, something immediately came to mind. Um, when I was a younger guy, um, I've always been religious but I've also always been spiritual and um, one of the one of the nice things about cultivating one's spirituality um, uh, over a long period of time is that it's sort of all that work sort of adds up and the sooner you're able to sort of realize that you're more than just a body um and and this is something i think that you can start early but the the wisdom really comes with age the more you can realize that you're more than just a body um and that you do have energetic connections with other people yourself in the world um the the richer your life will be when um your uh six-pack is no longer there uh and uh for some people your hair is gone so uh that's one thing i would i wish younger people would know
0: teach me <laughs> i'm <laughs> still i'm still struggling with that i'm still very much attached to like i was saying that you know 30 year old body not this 40 year old one um thanks john carl Stephen, what about you
3: Well, since you brought up hair john carl <laughs> i lost my hair when I was in undergraduate in college. So by the time I was 21, I was pretty much bald on top. And so I got over my attachment to that a lot earlier than most people do. And I definitely know in the gay community people can be very vain about their hair and their looks. And when I knew people in their late 20s and early 30s getting Botox injections or fillers. And I'm like, you're way too young for having to do that. And that wasn't even available when I was that age. So these things are things that I think people are doing to their bodies that are not necessary. But I think a lot of it comes from the outside not matching the inside or the inside not matching the outside (laughs) Because some of these people like really beautiful men that maybe lack self-confidence or self-esteem. And I know we all have been there when we're in our 20s and 30s, having self-doubts and confidence issues. But what I really want people to know is that I got into drug addiction in my late 20s and 30s and I got sober in my early 40s and just last week May 23rd I celebrated 20 years of continuous sobriety from drugs and alcohol and um I just chose to be completely sober even though I really never had an issue with alcohol but I like being clear minded and I realized over the years in being in that mindset that alcohol and drugs was really not the problem. It was just a maladaptive solution to not feeling comfortable in my own skin. And so one issue I was dealing with was finding out I was HIV positive when I was 29 years old and having this fear that I was gonna probably not live to be 40. Right. And that's what, like, my first HIV doctor told me when I was in New York before I moved back to Atlanta. And, well, I asked him the question, what do you think my prognosis is? And I was very healthy. I never had any infections or any of the things that people were dying from in the 80s and 90s. I never had any of those. But I had most low T cells, and I had, you know, just the status that I tested positive. And so I was always like this anomaly to the doctors that I was seeing that my physical symptoms were not matching the numbers that they were getting on blood test results. And so I lived in fear like I wasn't gonna have a full life and now that i'm 62 i mean i i i said if i live to be 40 i'm drawing a party and at my 40th birthday party i rented a restaurant and invited like 25 or 30 close friends and it was truly a celebration of life and i feel like mm-hmm. every day and year since then has truly been a gift and i think it's given me mission for dealing with grief and loss at an earlier age than most people do. And that actually is one of my areas of expertise in my counseling and therapy work with people. And it's not just, you know, grief over people that die, but we can grieve over lost relationships or we can even grieve over our youth being lost. And I think that... It creates a consciousness awareness, a mindset shift, a paradigm shift to be able to realize that we don't have to get stuck in ways that we think we're supposed to be. Because like I said earlier, I don't know what 62 should feel like. I know what I feel like. I know people that are younger than me that act like old fogies. And so I think it's really what's up in your head. And I have experienced limitations in my body changing, and my activity levels, and my energy level, and also my interests change as I've gotten yeah. older. So things that I was important to me when I was younger not important to me now, and that's fine. Things change, and um, everybody goes through their own metamorphosis. And the one thing that I've really come to accept is to honor my limitations because I remember a friend of mine that had HIV and we were friends back in, I guess it was, I don't even know if it was the 90s or the early 2000s, but he used to have to get injections in his eye because he was losing his sight as one of his symptoms from HIV. And I thought to myself, oh my God, how could you have a needle injected into your eyeball? Mm. And he said, it freaked me out at first, but you learn to deal with it like anything else. And I've had other experiences where things that you never think that you would be able to deal with, when you have to deal with it, you deal with it. Mm. And um, it's called living life on life's terms and I think that a lot of the younger generation have a lot of entitlement issues. They don't know how to communicate face-to-face. Everything's through an app or a phone or a computer, and when it, a lot of younger people won't even talk on the phone. It's like, can I call you? No, let's just text. Even people I would meet through the apps that were younger would be like, no, let's just text. Like They don't know how to talk. They're uncomfortable talking. And even when you're out in public, whether it be a restaurant or any kind of social function, you see a group of people sitting at a table in a restaurant and they're all on their phones. And it's like, why are you even out socializing if you're not with each other? Hmm. We did not have these options when we were that age. And so... Yeah, technology changes, life changes, but I think what's really important is to not lose the human connection. And, you know, one thing I learned in being sober for 20 years is that the opposite of addiction is connection. And sort of like you said, John Paul, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual.
0: A lot of good stuff in that share, Steven. Thank you. Thank you for all that wisdom. Um, I wanna I wanna ask you to clarify before we go to Miguel one quick question. What is one of the things that was important to you when you were younger that is no longer important to you? If you could give one example. Yeah.
3: Um superficial conversation. Hmm. Talking hmm. about things that are not of any substance. And um sometimes like old habits die hard, and I'll ask somebody a question. And then I was like, why did I even ask that? I don't even care. <laughs> and then it's like, I stop that. It's like, you know, I really just want to connect with people on a deep, intimate level. It doesn't have to be sexual. And um, I want to know who you are, not what you are.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. I I I think that that's a life lesson that we'd all be better off if we learned very early on um so thank you Stephen and by the way I was laughing when you're talking about the phone because I'm that guy who um people will call me and I'll just like look at my phone like I don't know why they're calling me I'll just stare at it ring and then I'll text back like what what is it <laughs> so I'm guilty <laughs> of that for sure all right Miguel let's go over to you uh, what would what do you want the younger generations to know about aging and and being gay well
2: eventually you know we all change right and um everything's just going to be different as you get older and no, no matter what you do to try to preserve a certain type of you know look things are just going to change and i think that um i would just hope that um You know, younger men would step out of their comfort zones and maybe just uh, get to know somebody, you know, that's older than them, like really, you know, take the opportunity to um, get to know them and spend time with them and have really, you know, meaningful conversations, because I think that, um, you know, with age, there comes a certain amount of experience that only time will, you know, give to an individual and um within those conversations it's just important to to know that you know um not everybody has the answers but there will be a certain perspective that might um be right for you and um it might be uncomfortable to have you know certain conversations with um you know men who might be older than you for whatever reason but i just would hope that yeah you just Step out of your comfort zone, get to know guys that are older than you and to develop friendships. Because when the friendships are are there, um you can talk about stuff, you know. Um mm. your your boyfriends will come and go, but your friends oh, yeah. hopefully will will remain, you know, there with you through the thick and thin. Um and um yeah, I, I just hope that um, and this is not a criticism of of you per se Michael but I just hope that that there would be an opportunity to know to just maybe reduce the conversation via text and have the conversation face to face or on the phone um just because I I I think that when you have the opportunity to uh just even listen to somebody's voice you'll know how they're um, responding to you they'll be you know the the manner in which they speak their the way they um what their intonation is like when you and uh, ask specific kind of questions and then when you're in front of somebody you really have that opportunity to to observe who they are and how they're going to react to you um and there's you know no, nothing wrong per se with with texting right um but i i just perhaps like the old fashioned way of um, getting to know people via phone conversations or, you know, really having the time to sit down in front of somebody and have coffee and, and have a conversation. And I also know that it's certainly not easy, right? Because we all have our comfort levels um, in life. And if, you know, you're comfortable texting, that's great. Um, but I just encourage, you know, folks to, you um, step outside of their comfort zones. I mean, I'm trying to do that myself with maybe um, getting out there a little more. And uh, um, (laughs) I will say that uh, I tried one of the apps for a very short period of time. And within about four hours of spending time on the apps, it just wasn't for me. So I, I just, and it was a trial period. So I figured, okay, I didn't waste a lot of money. And that's just me. I don't, you know, make judgments about folks who choose to use them. It's it's great. You know, I understand its purpose. But yes, stepping out of your comfort zone as a young man and and getting to know people who are older than you uh, is something that I would really,
0: really encourage. Great tips, guys. Um, Miguel, I did an episode uh, on intergenerational relationships a few months back. And I talked exactly about that. We did a whole episode about why it's important to have um, for younger guys, older people in your life, not necessarily just romantic relationships, but just in general, even the platonic ones. I find that the older gay men in my life um, are the most interesting, the ones that I have probably the best, most quality conversations with. And I like can just listen to them speak for so long because I find them fascinating. Um do you guys, or, or let me ask you this, anyone who wants to answer, uh, do you guys have a mentor or have you had like a, an older gay mentor in your life?
3: I did yeah. when I was younger, yes. And so it's sort of strange for me now being like that person at my current age that I looked up to when I was younger. And so that's why I said earlier, you know, a lot of the people that I'm working with are in their 20s and 30s. And now I feel like that mm-hmm. wise sage that I used to admire and look up to. And it's like, oh, if I can only be like them, they, they seem really cool.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. about you guys? Yeah, I certainly have had a, a mentor, but he's he's really, I guess, a combination of being a mentor and a good friend yeah you know, yeah um because this guy that I'm thinking of he's had uh, two long-term relationships one with a woman for 25 years had a couple kids then moved on to another phase of his life and has had uh, another long-term relationship of relationship of almost 25 years with his present partner and I think wow um, you've got a lot of good long-term relationship experience right um He doesn't have all the answers but certainly, uh some pearls of wisdom for sure
0: yeah john carl how about you uh
1: yeah i have always had older mentors and continue to cultivate older mentors in my life um i uh i sort of a built-in mentor my husband is uh 13 years older than i am and over 27 years um I, I can't imagine how much, you know, I've learned from, you know, his just having lived through things a little bit longer and seen things a little bit differently. Um, a couple months ago, I got a mentor who was, um, you know, about to turn 80 um, and I've learned a whole bunch from him. Um, and, and there are two things I want to say about that. One, one is, um, uh, People who are getting to be in a generative phase of life, especially men moving into that phase where they're more interested in giving than receiving, um, they love to have younger people come up and say, could I ask your opinion on this? Um, they're waiting for people to younger people to connect with them so they can at least unload or process some of this wisdom and all the stuff they've learned. Uh, second thing I want to say is um I won't name names but uh I feel blessed to have uh younger mentors um people who know things that I don't um who are a couple decades younger than I am and uh I I find that's also a very rich um, type of relationship to have i I didn't even know it was possible to have a younger mentor
0: that's so that's so important i love that it's uh like a two-way relationship right we often think that it's the wisdom and experience being given down but also yeah in this changing world with technology and everything going on like it it is nice to kind of have uh for for older older guys i talked about this in the intergenerational relationships podcast uh, yes, the, what I've heard is that they actually enjoy those levels of connections as well, because for a lot yeah. of times, a lot of a lot of guys, they're very young at heart. They are still very youthful, and so there's something fun to be around that kind of energy. Not for the whole, not not all the time, obviously, but when they're up for it. And so that's the for anyone who's interested in that podcast, it's called intergenerational relationships. I can link it in the show notes. I
3: I also feel that some younger people are old souls,
0: mm-hmm.
3: so just because they're chronological age is whatever they have a lot of wisdom from maybe having had multiple incarnations if you believe in that kind of stuff and um, one thing I haven't mentioned is you know I've been in a relationship for almost two years now with somebody who is significantly younger than me but I feel like he is an old soul and that we Mm -hmm. are very similar on many levels and we met online but we got together pretty quickly within a few weeks of starting to talk with each other over the phone and the first time we got together for our first in-person date we spent like 11 hours together Uh, and it never felt like um, boring or draggy it was like we've known each other forever and so we've been living together for pretty much most of the time because we, sort of like lesbians, he moved in like after a month of knowing me. And, and, and we're still together today. And, and I never felt a deeper connection. And we are engaged. And mm. so, yeah. I mean, sometimes it feels weird to feel like when people see the age disparity between us. um, It's almost like the difference in age between me and my father is exactly the difference in age between my partner and myself. And so I know that people have a tendency to judge when they see like age disparities in a couple and they think, oh, what? They must have a lot of money. Why else would he be with him? And I know that's not the reason. And um, but it's clearly a, a deeper thing. But I also wanted to mention something. When you asked about mentors, the one mentor that comes to mind that I had when I was in my twenties, and he was a very successful businessman and a straight man and we were working together when i was doing production logistics for educational seminars and workshops and he was one of the one of the workshop leaders and he was very successful in his life and so i had a conversation with him sort of impromptu when we had some time alone and i he sort of got that I had like this thing about perfectionism and not making mistakes. And this was like a huge life lesson for me because I had this thought and I've realized I teach a lot of the people I do therapy with what I learned from this guy. The thing like, you have to be perfect. You have to do everything right. You can't make mistakes. And I said this to him I said, I feel like I have to be a perfect human being. And he said, mm. there is no perfect human being. He said to me, even machines break down. And yeah. people have to fix them. He said, the thing about being human is you know what you know. And if something's important to you that you don't know, you can learn. But you don't, you're mm. never gonna know everything. And nobody knows everything. People might be lucky enough to have one, two, or three areas in their life that they are either an expert or a moderate, you know, expert in. But nobody's an expert in everything and nobody's perfect in anything. Mm-hmm. So that gave me permission to realize, and I also know this from being in in recovery for 20 years, that it's about progress, not perfection. As long as I'm improving and growing and learning and being the best person I can be today, I'll, I know I'm not going to be perfect. And I don't have that burden to put on myself to stress myself out, to have to be perfect. And when I make mistakes, I can own them and fix them and do the next right
0: thing. Yeah that's a lot of wisdom you guys all shared right there. And I'm sure there's a lot, a lot more where that came from. Um, does anyone else want to chime in on on this before I move on to the next question?
2: Well, I just want to say, you know, um, thank you to, uh, you know, you and, and Callan, I know he's not with the the community, um, um, in an active state right now, but you and Callan and, and, um, Matt, have in in very uh, profound ways have been mentors for me, um, just on the side, you know, and just realizing that you guys are still there and doing what you do. Uh, because I realized that, hey, yeah, there are some really wonderful, decent young men that are on the road to just um, becoming, you know, the best version of themselves that they can be. And it's not only just the three of you, but certainly, um, There are lots of you out there that are um, willing to embark on this journey but um you know thank you to the three of you for having started this wonderful uh community and to um you know be a source of wisdom for
0: all of us well thank you that uh Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're trying to do here and uh we definitely we, we always say this we are just creating the space but it's really about the people who who are in that space and how they contribute so we all play equal parts i'd say so thank you though appreciate that i would just
3: add that you're all in that old soul category
0: Mm. yeah i certainly Mm. feel that way i definitely feel that way yeah okay guys let's talk a little bit about how the gay community has changed over the years or remain the same so um yeah you guys can maybe share because i'm not i'm not entirely sure but if you want to share uh, maybe share how long you've been out um, as well and how the community has changed or not changed. And for this one, let's start off with John Carl.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I um, came out, and I'll be interested in hearing Stephen's story. Uh, I came out in 1987, um, uh, you know, just as I was graduating from college, uh, 22, 21. Um, worst possible time to come out as a gay man, height of the AIDS epidemic, no cure in sight. Um, And talking about mentors, all the people I looked to to mentor me were dying or disappearing from the scene. Um, Literally, I connected with a couple of people who I thought, wow, you know, this guy is going to, I want to be this guy when I grow up, you know, he can help me with my career and everything like that. Dead in two years. Um, and um, so that was a very, I'm just realizing, realizing now how traumatic a time that was. Um, but there was a blessing in coming out at that time because I was able to, um, I was able to see um, a glimpse of the rich, rich, and I'm going to use the word queer world that had been forming up to the um, uh, beginning of the AIDS epidemic. Um, And one of the things I think we lost was this sense of um, being revolutionary, uh, being radical, um, uh, challenging the norms, uh, because after AIDS. Everybody who survived wanted to settle down in these safe relationships and be palatable to society, um, and and so there came a conformity for many years um, that suppressed all of the rich exploratory stuff that was happening before I came out um, and is now bubbling up again in this generation. Only problem is there's been a generation missing in between and so all of that rich bubbly um queer energy um has been disconnected from all this new rich bubbly queer energy and they really need to be in conversation with each other um i'm I'm outing myself as sort of a uh a radical i
0: love it yeah so what what way do you think that uh john Carl, that that the gay community has i mean 1987 you say so that's been how many years is that both almost 40 years about 35 years you've been out
1: yeah 36 since 36. i graduated
0: okay yeah so how has it remained the same if if at all
1: well i think what has remained the same is that um our culture is incredibly diverse and complex uh, and when we give people space to be the complex and diverse individuals that they are uh, in all the complexity of the relationships, everybody's going to relationships differently. Everyone's going to do sex differently if they do it at all. Um, people were just as interesting in the past as they are now. It's just that in, at certain times in history, the lid is pulled off, and you can see all the rich diversity. Um, and and I I think um, you know. I met demisexuals and asexuals uh, in the eighties, um, and you know, and and they were fighting for a voice then too. And you know, so we, so a lot of, we're still human at core. We're we. Haven't been on the planet long enough to have evolved significantly in the past forty years in our biology. We're we're all at core of the same, um, and we often go through very similar issues. Um, and, and so I think when you look for the sameness, when you connect with history, um, I know that I see myself in people of ages past. Uh, when you finally get to read their biographies. And I, and I think um, older people can see in younger people some of the ways they were when they were younger and vice versa.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I have a question for you, John Carr. Were you a member of ACT UP?
1: Um, I was a little too young for ACT UP. Um, okay. I uh, went to one meeting of Queer Nation, which was its spinoff. Um, and then I became involved in, um, uh, gay journalism. Um, but I, I was, I was, uh, too busy chasing boys to belong to organizations, uh, at the time.
3: Do you just just want to give people a little background what those things are? Because younger people might have never heard of any of those things. Um, well,
1: ACT UP is the AIDS coalition Uh, to unleash power Um, in the 80s and into the 90s. um, uh, People who were diagnosed with AIDS, um, the United States government um, really wanted us to die off. They thought it would solve the homosexual problem. Uh, We didn't all die off. uh, And in fact, it made some of us very radical and very vocal for our rights and act up was a, uh, a movement of people saying, hell no, you're not going to let us die. We're not going to be erased from the world. We're going to be out in the streets. We're going to be in the halls of power and, uh, we are going to make you notice us. Um, and, uh, Wow. I mean, and one of the things I liked about ACT UP was that they were just one branch of the movement for queer liberation. Um, They were the angry ones in the streets, but they were also talking to assimilationist gays who had high governmental positions and were working behind the scenes. uh, Who are saying, look, if you want to deal with us reasonable gays, uh, do that or we'll call an ACT UP. So it was it was amazing. It was an amazing time.
0: Stephen, curious about your, uh, what you would have to say for this.
3: Well, I came out when I was 18, and I always knew that I was gay from maybe age five or six. I just didn't feel comfortable enough to be open about it. But when I was in elementary school, junior high and high school, I was always looking at the cute guys, whereas my friends were always looking at the girls. And I always felt like an alien. Like mm. I didn't get the attraction that they were infatuated with. And, you know, I, I dated girls when I was younger just because it was the thing that was acceptable. And um, so when I was 18 and I finally came out, first I came out to my father, then I came out to my mother. There was a period of years where even though it wasn't really a surprise, my mother said she always knew, but still it took an adjustment period for her to accept the reality of the situation. And I guess she felt like more pity in a way because my life would have more struggle than if I was straight. And who would ever choose to be gay if they weren't born that way? Nobody. And it's not like to think, oh, it's the new cool thing to do. I think I'll be gay. Um, what I think is really important is that we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have apps, we didn't even have computers until like the mid-90s, yeah. so there was really no way to meet people other than in person, and so that's like you mentioned this earlier, John Call. If you wanted to meet somebody, you went to a gay bar, either to drink or to dance or to socialize. And that is the way that you would meet people. Then there were cruising areas and parks in any major city. I even remember going to Italy in the early 90s. And when I was in Venice, I found out that there was this cruising area right by the Grand Canal in Venice, like the main big canal. Running. And so, I you know, if you wanted to meet people, you had to find out where the cruising places were or where the bars were. And um, you had to learn to talk to people. You had to learn to take a risk to go up to yes. somebody and say, You know, I think you're hot. I Mm -hmm. think you're attractive. Do you want to dance or just start a conversation and get to know each other and see if it goes anywhere? Now people hide behind, you know, computer screens or texting screens, and they don't have to take that risk as much. And I think that's why the level of mental health issues and suicidal ideation is much higher now than it used to be because people don't connect with each other. And connection is so important. People feel alone and isolated because they don't know how to connect with other human beings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I need to ask, did you have uh, that the dameron guide it was a a little book that told you in every city where the cruising area and and bars were and you could
3: buy it yes and there might have been other versions of that as well and um yeah so and i remember going on a trip with one of my ex-partners and we went on a Mediterranean cruise through the Greek Islands and and Turkey and we were in Istanbul and we had Mm. found in one of the booklets before we went that there was this gay bar in Istanbul. Finding it was very, very difficult and asking people on the streets like, where is this address? and Nobody knew where it was and then finally we found it but it wasn't easy and Mm. it's like you really had to work hard to make things happen back in the day and now I think um I miss those days because being able to go out I used to love to go out and dance mm. and um you know listen to music and I'm talking back when disco was still like in the late 70s and the early 80s and yeah, you know, I'd go out with some of my gay friends and some of my female friends that were gay friendly and and we would have a blast and, um, and, and then things started to change because when the AIDS epidemic hit in the early eighties, I was living in Atlanta at the time because I had moved there to go to college. And I moved back to New York in 86 because I was having a long distance mm-hmm. relationship with somebody that was living in Manhattan. So I wound up moving back to Manhattan and i we, we didn't last that long. So then I was single living in Manhattan in the middle of the AIDS epidemic in 1986 mm. through 91. And um, there was so much, you know, visible illness and Having to deal with death and dying at such a young age, people don't have to experience that now because people aren't dying from AIDS like they used to. And I shared this in podcasts that I did a while back with Matt, but I guess it bears repeating that my 91-year-old grandmother, before she passed away, I remember driving in the car with her and my mother, and she was talking about how depressed she fell because all the people that were in her phone book were mostly dead. Yes. And I said to her, I can imagine how that would feel. Because in my early 30s, I was having a similar experience that my 91-year-old grandmother was sharing with me. And at 31, I should not have had to have that knowledge at such a young age. But it changed my life. In ways that I am grateful for today because it taught me to appreciate things that people take for granted when they're young. Yeah. And they assume that they're going to live to be an old age and nobody has that guarantee. The only thing we have guaranteed is that we're all going to die, but we just don't know how and when. And so don't take it for granted that you're going to live to be in your seventies, eighties, nineties, or, far over hundred. If you are that fortunate, great. But if you don't appreciate what you have today, that's all we have is today. Yeah.
0: So beautifully said. Um, yeah. I think, I, I think about that a lot. I, I, Part of my personal mission, I think, is standing on the shoulders of all of you and all of the people who have fought the fight, because there is a an activist streak within me um, that really wants to not forget that. I mean, uh, n- not forget all the sacrifices that your generation and even generations beyond have made. Like we haven't, we, I mean, luckily we have not, my generation has not had to go through that. Um, And that's a good thing, but at the same time, you know, you kind of had said at the beginning there, Stephen, about how going through this terrible thing at the same time, it really teaches you some very valuable life lessons, right? Connection, empathy, compassion, uh, not taking things for granted, how to talk to people, taking risks. You know, John Carly talked about activism and fighting Um, in some ways. I think that my generation takes a lot for granted, and I think that's a sad thing, and that's why I love celebrations like Pride or any time you know, even mm-hmm. if there's a TV show or movie that where they kind of depict the reality of 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 the queer person's situation. Even just 30 years ago, it has changed so much, and that is a good thing. That's the progress we want. But at the same time, let's not forget that.
3: Because I was even thinking about prior to the AIDS epidemic, the Stonewall ep- epidemic yeah. that started Gay Pride in, in the late 60s. And it was all about police brutality and not just letting them be okay to meet in a gay bar without being harassed. And until it's always about when, when you've had enough and you're not willing to take the abuse or the injustice anymore that you just have to stand up for yourself. And we're still having to do that today because um, there's a lot of gay discrimination coming back up in the current climate in this country that we're living in. And I never would have thought that we would go backwards after all the progress that we've made, but there's still people that are not willing to accept us for who we are, and we cannot take it for granted that our rights are not possible to be taken away.
1: Yeah, I um, I I know from the experience of being Black in America that um, in the 70s, as the 70s started, we thought things were going to get better and better, and, and always, uh, continue to improve and watching the rollbacks of the 70s and the 80s uh taught me a lesson for the for the gay community that um we are now experiencing um uh people will take away your rights that you have fought decades to um to earn and um and I do think that uh the the vicious backlash against the trans community um, is only the beginning of a backlash against LGBTQIA folk um, who are more respectable, assimilated, and think they're safe. Um, it's really getting to be all hands on deck time. And, um, uh, you know, and I... I hate to say this generation um will experience its own fight, and I think it's already begun
0: fascinating. and which begs or not begs the question, but it, it reminds us all why we need these intergenerational relationships uh, yes. to be strong because there's a lot to learn. Hey, this is what worked for us, this is what didn't. And you know, uh, I think having wisdom and that history is important. and yet there and yet going back to the topic, there is so much just discrimination as soon as you see an older gay or hear their age like the automatic thoughts that show up are are very discriminatory unfortunately They're
3: like what do they have to contribute to my life right yeah yeah because they only think of their superficial time being in their 20s and 30s and they don't see the big picture miguel did you want to answer this question
2: well um although i'm you know closer to uh john carl's age um i think the experience has been different for me because i i haven't really been more authentic and and out, if you will for as long as um all of you and uh, i used to be very hard on myself about that but i just realized that it's own my own journey and not mm-hmm. to be yes um know it's so hard on myself for um maybe figuring it out a little while longer than others um but i don't know for a long time i just sort of was observing things from from the side and not knowing how well i even fit into the the general sense of this thing that we call the lgbtq plus community you know um but I I can say that things have changed in 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 good ways I think um, because people are still willing to get out there and just um, be authentic and to show people exactly who they are and be very proud of that um, and I think just with the increasing acceptance of uh, you know, people that are different, um, that, um, the, the change has been, um, I don't know, maybe modified in, in a way because, um, I think gay people, LGBTQ plus people are, I think more aware of the fact that, Hey, yeah, there are others that are really going to truly accept us for, for who we are and not to be as scared as maybe we once were, um, you know, um, but uh, in terms of things that have remained the same, I think that the, the willingness to still pursue, um, love and justice for all has been there Mm -hmm. throughout the course of time. And it's been, you know, a prime example for, for everyone, not just us and and other people, but just for humanity in, in general, you know? To just impart the wisdom of really accepting people just as they are is one of the things that I think has remained the same over over the course of time, at least from from my point of view. And it's been such a it's a such a beautiful thing because I think a lot of people have understood. Oh yeah, you know what? There's just not that much difference between, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ plus people and and straight people. Mm. and therefore the aspects of relationships are pretty much the same and that the only difference is just the person to whom they are attracted or the people the, the people or person with whom they are in, in love and I think um it's been very wonderful to see um, folks open their minds and say um, yeah we're, we're really gonna change our our thoughts about uh, People who are different and i think that um you know the community has been very uh wonderful at maintaining um, that aspect of acceptance i mean you know to the best of its ability not perfect but um i think it's been wonderful to to see that maintain itself over the years you know the, um, just the acceptance of other people
0: and that's part of what we're doing here right part of the goal of this podcast was to uh, give you guys a chance to kind of speak to your experiences in hopes that to the younger audience listening, um, that they will gain some more acceptance and understanding. And well, understanding, you know, leads to that acceptance. Um, So, you know, I want to thank you all three for being part of that change that we want to see and sharing with our audience your time your stories, your vulnerability, your courage, uh, wisdom. So is there any last words you guys would want to add before we wrap this up? I
3: would just say that for those that are young that have this delusion or illusion that they will always be that young person, you too, will be sixty two one day or older if you're so lucky. And you know we're all we're, we're all getting older. And so just never take anything for granted and always think of it as an opportunity, not a problem.
0: I love that. I need that advice. That was for me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Mm. John Carl, Miguel? Mm.
1: My my prayer uh, is that um, God knows what the platform will be like, but um, God willing, let's do this again in 20 years.
0: Mm. Yes. Wouldn't that be interesting?
1: Yeah, let's I all stick that. around. Um, and See how we laugh
3: at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I know I have longevity in my family.
0: Uh, Miguel, what would you have to add? Um.
2: Well, um. Yeah, I just would encourage, um. Yeah, all the young guys to just to continue to to really keep an open mind and to to look at your older gay brothers and to en- enjoy them and love them and accept them just as they are. And you just might even happen to be attracted to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not all about sex. Of course not. But to, to know that you can really be um, drawn to somebody um, in more than just a physical way and uh, just to enjoy that experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said everyone so uh thank you guys for joining us today it's been a great episode i want to have more of these types of panel discussions because i I really truly love uh hearing hearing other people's experiences that it enriches it enriches my life for sure and therefore i know our our viewers and listeners are also further enriched after listening to this episode and making it all the way through with us today so first i want to thank steven uh, for helping me with this episode today. Um, I also want to thank Miguel and John Carl for lending their time and wisdom. Thank you guys so much. Um, I will put uh, all this information in the show notes for where you can find uh, John Carl and um, Miguel and Stephen. If you want to have a friendly chat uh, or learn more about them. Um, and for our viewer listener, please, if you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please give us a five-star rating on whatever you're listening to us on. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, leave us some comments, let us know what you think. Um, We love hearing the comments. Uh, We will respond to any questions you guys have or any comments you might have. Uh, So please go ahead and let us know what you think. Uh, Share your own experiences for that matter. And make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon so that you get notified for new episodes, which are released every Thursday. All right, guys, thank you so much for another amazing episode. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.